O Lord, open our lips, and our mouth shall proclaim your praise. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. We welcome you here to the nave of Marsh Chapel, whether you are here present with us at 735 Commonwealth Avenue, whether you are listening live on WBUR 90.9 FM throughout New England, or listening live over the internet at WBUR.org around the globe. Welcome. My name is Brother Larry Whitney. I have the privilege of serving as University Chaplain for Community Life here at Marsh Chapel. I bear greetings on behalf of our Dean, the Reverend Dr. Robert Allen Hill, as he is away in these weeks. I have the privilege of serving as the first preacher for our annual Summer Preacher Series, and you can find out more information about that series in your bulletin or on our website at bu.edu chapel. Let us stand as we are able in the praise of God.
Jesus said, The first commandment is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is like it, Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Jesus said, before you offer your gift, go and be reconciled. As sisters and brothers in God's family, together we plead God's forgiveness. Remember, Lord, your compassion and love, for they are everlasting. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions, but think on me in your goodness, O Lord, according to your steadfast love. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. O keep my soul and deliver me. Let me not be put to shame, for I have put my trust in you. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. May God have mercy on you, forgive your sins, and bring you to everlasting life. Amen. The peace of the Lord be always with you. Let us share with one another signs of God's peace. Let us pray. O God, you have taught us to keep all your commandments by loving you and our neighbor. Grant us the grace of your Holy Spirit that we may be devoted to you with our whole heart and united to one another with pure affection. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen.
A lesson from Paul's first epistle to the Corinthians, chapter 5, verses 6b to 8. Do you not know that a little yeast leavens the whole batch of dough? Clean out the old yeast so that you may be a new batch, as you really are unleavened. For our paschal lamb, Christ, has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us celebrate the festival, not with the old yeast, the yeast of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me in saying verses from Psalm 114 with the antiphon. When Israel went out from Egypt, the house of Jacob from a people of strange language, Judah became God's sanctuary, Israel God's dominion. The sea looked and fled, Jordan turned back, the mountains skipped like rams, the hills like lambs. Why is it, O sea, that you flee, O Jordan, that you turn back, O mountains that you skip like rams? O hills like lambs, tremble, O earth, at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the God of Jacob, who turns the rock into a pool of water, the flint into a spring of water. Let us... Let us stand as we are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri. be seated. The gospel according to Luke is very close to my heart in many ways. Just one example, this gospel's author was a faithful physician. I married a faithful physician. And so I'm appreciative that our summer preacher series in 2016 takes the Lucan horizon as its theme. We are travelers, are we not, you and I? We are travelers together, making our way toward a horizon. It is a funny thing about horizons that they simultaneously serve as a point of orientation 
and, if focused upon too long, can serve to entirely disorient their observer. We travelers, you and I, as we make our way together, may at times stop and wonder whether we are really still on the path toward our destination. Are we still headed in the general direction of our goal, or has the horizon twisted our field of vision such that we have wandered off the road? Jesus' original followers were not known as Christians, but rather as followers of the way, followers of the way of Jesus, that is. Confucians and Taoists are followers of the way as well, followers of the Tao. Christians, Confucians, and Taoists each have various ways of harmonizing two sides of the way coin, so to speak. The first side is an internal principle expressed in human life. The second is an external norm that sets the principle and measures that life. This is to say that we make our way not only by ourselves according to our own internal principles, but we make our way with others and accord our principles to the principles of these others and for our collective well-being. Still, wandering off the path toward the horizon is all too easy assuming, of course, that we were ever properly on it in the first place. We may wonder, you and I, fellow travelers, whether where we thought we were going is really at the end of the road we are on. We may wonder if it is where we should be going anyway. We may wonder if the wonders we have been promised if we ever managed to reach that point on the horizon were not, in fact, only always an illusion. Is this the way, or should we be going some other way? Such is the situation of two disciples journeying together to Emmaus in the Gospel according to Luke. Now, on that same day, two of them were walking to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? He asked them, What things? They replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. And how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, 
And when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But they did not see him. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. The way of these disciples, Cleopas and another unnamed, is uncertain. Each of the evangelists has an agenda in writing their particular take on the gospel. In the case of St. Luke, the agenda was to demonstrate the continuity of the experience of the early church with the life and ministry of Jesus. To accomplish this, Luke wrote not one book, but two, the gospel according to Luke, which tells about the life and ministry of Jesus, and the Acts of the Apostles, which tells about the experience of the early church. Luke was writing for Gentile Christians, worried about their place as Roman citizens, and about whether the ongoing story of the church remains in continuity with the way of Jesus, as predicted in the Hebrew Scriptures. The answer is a resounding yes! Yes, Christians can be good, upstanding Roman citizens, and yes, Christian experiences in continuity with the life and ministry of Christ. Here in the story of the disciples journeying together on the way to Emmaus, Jesus himself confirms for them that they are in fact on the way, in continuity with his own life and ministry, and in fulfillment of the Hebrew scriptures. Well, we know that it is Jesus confirming for the disciples that they are indeed on the way. The disciples themselves do not know this. To them, Jesus remains a stranger. Strange, is it not, that the disciples who had invested their lives in Jesus' ministry and teaching and service would now be unable to even recognize him? Or perhaps not so strange, given that the disciples spent the whole of Jesus' ministry misunderstanding him and rather missing the point entirely. Even as the one they had called teacher teaches them as they walk together along the road, Jesus remains unknown. The teaching is important, but alone is insufficient to confirm for the disciples that they are indeed on the way. So the story continues. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is almost evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? Teaching is important, 
But Jesus is made known, and Jesus' teaching is confirmed and moreover realized in ritual. Namely, the ritual of the Eucharistic meal. It is only as Jesus performs the ritual of blessing, breaking, and giving bread that the disciples' eyes are opened and recognition ignites. It is only in the light of this ritually encoded appearance that the teaching on the road is confirmed as authentic and true and reliable. Ritual often gets a bad rap. Seen as reified and ossified, ritual in our late modern society is often taken as restricting liberty of conscience and freedom of the will. But just as Jaroslav Pelikan noted that tradition is the living faith of the dead, while traditionalism is the dead faith of the living, so too we may say that ritual is the guide to remaining on the way, while ritualism is a map to nowhere. Our Confucian brothers and sisters are eloquent on this point, and so we listen to the Liji, the Book of Rites, noting that Li, meaning ritual, is here translated propriety. I welcome this morning to read the passage my dear friend and colleague, Dr. Bin Song, president of the Boston University Confucian Association. Gu li yi ye zhe, ren zhi da duan ye. So yi jiang xin xiu mu, er gu ren zhi ji fu zhi hui, jing hai zhi shu ye. So yi yang sheng song si, shi gui shen zhi da duan ye. 所以达天道,率人情之大宝也。故为圣人,为之理之不可以已也。故坏国丧家亡人,必先去其理。Thus propriety and righteousness are the great elements from a man's character. It is by means of them that his speech is the expression of truth and his intercourse with others the promotion of harmony. They are like the union of the cuticle and the cutis and the binding together of the muscles and bones in the strengthening the body. They constitute the great methods by which we nourish the living, bury the dead, and serve the spirits of the departed. They supply the channels by which we can apprehend the ways of heaven and act as the feelings of men require. It was on this account that the sages knew that the rules of ceremony could not be dispensed with, while the ruin of states, the destruction of families, and the perishing of individuals are always preceded by their abandonment of the rules of propriety. We suffer greatly from a lack of ritual in late modern life. Just as the disciples recognized Jesus in his enactment of the Eucharistic ritual sacrificing his own body, we recognize ourselves and one another and our shared humanity in rituals as simple as a handshake and as complex as global geopolitical diplomacy. It is in ritual that we commune and communicate. 
It is in ritual that we open ourselves to the power of presence and partnership. As Howard Thurman reminds us, people, all people, belong to each other. And those who shut themselves away diminish themselves. And those who shut others away from them destroy themselves. Ritual is the medium of our knowing and trusting and belonging to one another. When it fails, or when we fail to either properly enact the ritual or even bother to enact it at all, we are severely diminished and often is not destroyed. The ruin of states, the destruction of families, and the perishing of individuals are always preceded by their abandonment of ritual. Today we call to mind the life and ministry of Professor Elie Wiesel, who died yesterday. Grant to him eternal rest, O God, and may light perpetual shine upon him. Holocaust survivor, Nobel Peace Prize laureate, teacher, humanitarian, journalist, author, public intellectual. Elie Wiesel suffered from perhaps the greatest abandonment of ritual recognition of our common humanity in the modern period, and went on to craft and establish and enact so many rituals to restore our common humanity. The opposite of love is not hate, it's indifference. The opposite of art is not ugliness, it's indifference. The opposite of faith is not heresy, it's indifference. And the opposite of life is not death, it's indifference. Rather than dulling the conscience and the will, ritual restrains our tendency toward indifference and allows us to recognize one another. We have not learned this lesson. We have not learned to not only allow but to invite our selfish desires and neuroses to be restrained, that we might see and know and love one another. In a time of such vast societal failure to recognize our common faith, why are we surprised when nine people are murdered during a Bible study? In a time of such vast societal failure to recognize our common love, why are we surprised when 50 people are murdered in a gay nightclub? In a time of such vast societal failure to recognize our common wealth, why are we surprised when a nation decides they know better and can do better on their own? In a time of such vast societal failure to recognize our common dignity, why are we surprised that a plan to build a 2,000-mile wall between us and our neighbors has gained such political traction? The ruin of states, the destruction of families, and the perishing of individuals are always preceded by their abandonment of ritual. 
Perhaps part of our problem is that we are afraid of ritual. We are afraid to participate in ritual. Ritual can seem arcane and impenetrable and so high that we cannot attain it. After all, does not ritual require preparation? Does it not require indoctrination into the cult of the ritual actors? Does it not require confession and repentance and absolution? Does it not require that first we go and be reconciled? Does ritual not demand that we participate with a sincere will and a sincere heart? Actually, no. Our Confucian brothers and sisters are again eloquent on this point, and so I invite Dr. Bin Song to read again from the Li Ji, the Book of Rites. Yoju 协助义而协，故礼虽先王谓之有，可以义其也。义者义之分，人之节也。协于义，讲于人，得之者强。仁者义之本也，顺之其也，得之者尊。Therefore, the rules of propriety. Of a man what the yeast is for the liquor, the superior man by his use of them becomes better and greater. The small man by his neglect of them becomes meaner and worse. Therefore the seeds kings cultivated and fashioned the level of righteousness and the ordering of ceremonial usages in order to regulate the feelings of men. Thus feelings with the field to be cultivated by the seeds kings, they fashioned the rose of ceremony to plow it. They set forth the principles of righteousness with which to plan it. They institute the lessons of the school to wait it. They made love the fundamental subject by which to gather all its fruits. And they employed the training in music to give response to the minds of learners. Thus, rules of ceremony are the embodied expression of what is right. If an observance stands the test of being judged by the standard of what is right, although it may not have been among the usages of the ancient kings, it may be adopted on the ground of its being right. The idea of right makes the distinction between things and serves to regulate the manifestation of humanity. When it is found in anything and in its relation to humanity has been discussed, the possessor of it will be strong. Humanity is the root of right and the embodying of a differential consideration. The possessor of it is honored. It is by participating in ritual that we become better and greater. 
It is by neglect of ritual that we become meaner and worse. The fruit of ritual can be summed up as love. It is not that we must become sincere in order to participate in ritual. Rather, we must participate in ritual in order to become sincere. The disciples were decidedly insincere. They did not know whether they were even still on the way, or if the way they thought they were on was really the way at all. The disciples could not recognize their own teacher and mentor and leader. They were not sincere. They were foolish and slow of heart. After participating in the ritual with Jesus, then they became sincere. That same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road, and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. Go and do likewise. Amen. Please be seated. 
We welcome you once again here to the nave of Marsh Chapel and invite you to participate in our ritual of friendship by putting your name and contact information in the red books found along the center aisle of each pew so that we can get to know you better and help you get to know one another better throughout the coming week. We are moving toward the time of communion in our service today, our, our ritual of the Eucharist, and we note that the chalice on the pulpit side will have wine, the chalice on the lectern side will have grape juice, and we'll have a healing prayer station for those uh, in search of healing this morning, uh, also uh, by the window on the pulpit side. Following the service today, we invite you to join us for our annual Independence Day barbecue out on the BU Beach on the lawn next to the chapel. Please come and join in the festivities of that. Our annual Summer Preacher Series continues next week with Miss Jessica Chica, our university chaplain for international students. And then on through July and into August, more details about that are in your bulletin or available on the chapel website at bu.edu chapel, along with the opportunity for online giving. As the ushers wait upon us for the morning offering, we invite you to meditate on Giovanni Croce's setting, O Sacrum Convivium. Now walk in love as Christ loves us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
We give you thanks, O God, this day for life and work and peace. Now bless these gifts and the givers, we pray, to the work of ministry in this place and throughout the world. Amen. Blessed are you, Lord God of the universe. You are the giver of this bread, fruit of the earth and of human labor. Let it become the bread of life. Blessed be God, now and forever. Blessed are you, Lord God of the universe. You are the giver of this wine, fruit of the vine and of human labor. Let it become the wine of the eternal kingdom. Blessed be God, now and forever. As grain once scattered on the field and grapes once dispersed on the hillside are now reunited on this table in bread and wine, so, Lord, may your whole church soon be gathered from the corners of the earth into your kingdom. All things come from you, and of your own do we give you. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give God thanks and praise. Truly it is right and good to glorify you at all times and in all places, to offer you our thanksgiving, O Lord, Holy One, Almighty and Everlasting God. Through your living word you created all things and pronounced them good. You made human beings in your own image to share your life and reflect your glory. When the time had fully come, you gave Christ to us as the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus accepted baptism and consecration as your servant to announce the good news to the poor. At the Last Supper, Jesus bequeathed to us the Eucharist that we should celebrate the memorial of the cross and resurrection to receive the divine presence as food. To all the redeemed, Christ gives the royal priesthood and, in loving all named as sisters and brothers, chooses those who share in the ministry that they may feed the church with your word and enable it to live by your sacraments. Wherefore, Lord, with the angels and all the saints, we proclaim and sing your glory. Lord God of the universe, you are holy and your glory is beyond measure. Upon your Eucharist, send your life-giving Spirit, who spoke by Moses and the prophets, who filled the Virgin Mary with grace, who descended upon Jesus in the River Jordan and upon the apostles on the day of Pentecost. May the outpouring of this Spirit of fire transfigure this Thanksgiving meal, that this bread and wine may become for us the body and blood of Christ. Come, Holy Spirit. May this Creator Spirit accomplish the words of Jesus Christ, who in the night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks to you, broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After supper he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. 
Great is the mystery of faith. Lord Jesus, we proclaim your death. We celebrate your resurrection. We await your coming in glory. Wherefore, Lord, we celebrate today the memorial of our redemption. We recall the birth and life of Jesus Christ among us, his baptism by John, his last meal with the apostles, his death and descent to the abode of the dead. We proclaim Christ's resurrection and ascension in glory. We hope in our great high priest who ever intercedes for all people. We look for the coming of Christ at the last. United in Christ's priesthood, we present to you this memorial. As we remember Jesus' sacrifice, grant to people everywhere the benefits of your redemptive work in Christ. Come, Lord Jesus. Behold, Lord, this Eucharist, which you yourself gave to the church, and graciously receive it as you accept the self-offering of Jesus Christ, whereby we are reinstated in your covenant. As we partake of Christ's body and blood, fill us with the Holy Spirit, that we may be one single body and one single spirit in Christ a living sacrifice to the praise of your glory. Come, Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your one holy Catholic and apostolic church, redeemed by the self-sacrifice of Christ. Reveal its unity, guard its faith, and preserve it in peace. Remember, Lord, all the servants of your church, bishops, presbyters, deacons, and all to whom you have given special gifts of ministry. Remember also all our sisters and brothers who have died in the peace of Christ, and those whose faith is known to you alone. Guide them to the joyful feast prepared for all peoples in your presence, with the Blessed Virgin Mary, with the patriarchs and prophets, the apostles and martyrs, and all the saints for whom your friendship was life. With all these we sing your praise and await the happiness of your kingdom, where with the whole creation finally delivered from sin and death, we shall be enabled to glorify you through Jesus Christ our Lord. Come, Lord Jesus. Through Christ, with Christ, and in Christ, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forever. Amen. United by one baptism in the same Holy Spirit and the same body of Christ, we pray as daughters and sons of God. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The bread which we break is the communion of the body of Christ. The cup of blessing for which we give thanks is our communion in the blood of Christ. Saying together, Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Grant us peace.
In peace, let us pray to the Lord. O Lord our God, we give you thanks for uniting us by baptism in the body of Christ and for filling us with joy in the Eucharist. Lead us toward a full, visible unity of your church and help us to treasure all the signs of reconciliation you have granted us. Now that we have tasted of the banquet you have prepared for us in the world to come, may we all one day share together the inheritance of the saints in the life of your heavenly city. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, world without end. Amen. That same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road, and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. Go and do likewise. Amen. Amen. 